but as it's become a priority for countries to publish increasing amounts of open data, countries are actually uh, putting their money where their mouth is, so to speak, and uh, investing in, the, in these activities. Hello everybody, today we're going to be talking about open data maturity in Europe and the results of our assessment by Capgemini Consulting of where Europe stands in 2017 with regard to open data. So my name is Wendy Carrara, Principal Consultant at Capgemini uh, Consulting, and I'm also leading the European Data Portal on behalf of the European Commission for whom we conduct this assessment. And I'm in the company of Helene Follows, who's been leading the research work for the past 18 months on open data maturity in Europe. Helene, do you want to introduce yourself briefly? Yes. Hi, everybody. Thanks, Wendy, for the introduction. So, uh, as Wendy already said, I'm Helene Follows. I'm a senior consultant at Capgemini Consulting Netherlands. And, um, yeah, I've been um, heavily involved in the data collection in the um, interaction with all the different member states of the EU plus um, the European Free Trade Association countries um, uh, to come up with the results of this final assessment. Perfect. Uh, thank you, Helene, and welcome to, to our podcast today. So a bit of background uh, for open data. So open data is commonly referred to information collected, produced, or paid for by public bodies. It's also called public sector information. It's also called open government data. And it's made freely available for anybody to reuse and for any purpose. And usually those terms and conditions are defined in the license attached to the data. And uh, in the European context, it's been a decade that a number of initiatives have been undertaken to support countries publish this data that has immense value, as we're going to be uh, exploring to together today. And in this context, Capgemini Consulting is actually leading the work on behalf of the European Commission in developing the European Data Portal, and more importantly, in writing a series of annual reports that measure how countries have been progressing in uh, reaching higher levels of open data maturity. So for the release of the 2017 edition today, we are noticing that, that the results are incredible, right, Helene? There's been an incredible amount of progress. But what is it exactly that we're measuring when we talk about open data maturity? Uh, yes, indeed. It's, it's correct that we see a significant improvement in the level of open data maturity across Europe. Uh, basically, what we did in the research is we based um, we based our research on two key indicators. One measured the level of open data readiness across Europe, and the other one measured the level of portal maturity across Europe. With open data readiness, we well, basically, we looked specifically at the presence of open data policies and whether there is events organized, who organizes the events. Uh, if there's a strategy in place, if the open data is reused by other departments, if it's used in decision making. But we also looked at the national coordination and the licensing, um, if the licensing was in place and also to what extent uh, the national level actually coordinates and cooperates with um, other levels of government. We also measured the use of data, so uh, the profile of the visitors, how many foreigners visit the, the national portal, um, uh, to what extent, um, like the difference between the human versus machine traffic. But we also looked at the impact of open data and specifically the social, the political and the economic impact that open data has on the society. This was all based on a questionnaire uh, that the national level had to fill in and um, had to collect data from within its country. 
And then uh, further clarification communication took place between the two, uh, well, between the European level and the national level. Um, so in terms of the open data readiness, we definitely see a very um, significant increase where now um, across Europe, the average level is um, a maturity level of 72%, which is actually an increase uh, coming from 57% in 2016 and only 47% in 2015. So that's a very big increase. And overall, we see that the open data maturity level has increased to 73% in 2017, coming from only 59% in 2016. So that's a significant increase. But that's only on the open data readiness. So, um, Wendy, maybe you would like to, um, yeah, what did you see in terms of portal maturity? Correct. Thank you, Helene. So this open data maturity indicator is a composite, and the first section is about readiness. So as Helene was mentioning, all those policy conditions that will create a framework for data publishing and data reuse. And of course, the data needs to be available somewhere. And public sector information or so-called open data is made available on open data portals, hence why we also measure portal maturity. And here, portal maturity will look at aspects such as the usability of the portal, the types of features and functions that are made available, so user feedback functionality, search functions, download functions, the reusability of data as well. So if we're talking about PDF or if we're talking about machine-readable formats, as well as the spread of data across domains, because functions of governments cover absolutely everything from agriculture to education to energy, transport regions and cities, justice, etc. So it's also important to have data that covers a large span of, uh, of domains. And here, in the, in the same uh, trend that Helene was describing, we're seeing a net increase in uh, portal maturity, where in 2017, Europe has actually completed 77% of the journey towards portal maturity, whereas it was only at 66% in 2016 and 33% in 2015. So that's an incredible increase, which is primarily justified by countries actually putting a lot of effort in developing their portals putting additional features, focusing on quality of the data set, enabling users to report errors and bugs. So here typically, for instance, Slovakia and Sweden are two countries have increased by respectively 56 and 50 percentage points over the past year, which is which is huge if we look at uh, the small teams that are behind these, but as it's become a priority for countries to publish increasing amounts of open data, the countries are actually uh, putting their money where their mouth is, so to speak, and uh, investing in, the, in these activities. So in terms of open data maturity across Europe, we're also noticing a trend here in understanding the impact of open data. And in our measurements, we look at three specific aspects of impact. We look at political, economic, and social impacts. And today, in our publication for 2017, 54% of uh, of maturity is reached on this impact indicator, which is a progression again compared to the previous years, because in 2016 we were at 44% and in 2015 we were at 31%. But this indicator is still the least mature in our, in our measurements. And Helene, perhaps you want to give us a few positive examples of how the political and the social impact have been measured. Sure. Um, well, for example, when we look at the political impact indicator, 
we can see that there's there's five countries that have scored full maturity. And those are France, Ireland, the Netherlands, Slovakia and Spain. And when we when we look at specific examples to, to measure the political impact of open data in these countries, we, we can actually measure different things. We can either uh, think of, well, there's ways to monitor the launch of open data activities that have taken place uh, that showed a positive political impact. We can also look at studies that were conducted to assess the improved government efficiency and effectiveness. But we can also look at applications having had a positive or are still having a positive political impact. Uh, for example, apps that show real-time city or state budget spending, such as the Irish Map Alert app, or topographic open data maps showing buildings, their facilities, road networks that can be used by all sorts of people, as we can see in Belgium. But in terms of increasing transparency and accountability, a good example would be the French Parliamentary Reserve, which publishes the money allocated to French members of the parliament as open data, allowing for more accountability. But also in Slovakia, there's this portal of open contracts, which publishes signed contracts concluded um, with public authorities, which increases public control over budgetary spending. So those are just some examples um, on the political impact. Of course, there's many more examples which you, you can find in the report itself. When we look at the social impact indicator, we actually see a few more countries that have scored full maturity in this year's assessment. And there are Cyprus, Croatia, France, Ireland, Italy, Slovenia, and Spain, and the United Kingdom. So how did we actually measure the social impact? Well, we looked at both the environmental sustainability and also on the inclusion of marginalized groups. And again, um, countries could give news items, news articles, or applications that are used by the public uh, that, that actually have a good social impact. So there we can think of, in terms of environmental sustainability, we can think of apps such as the Spanish Pesticide Finder, which helps agricultural companies and individual farmers to choose the most suitable pesticides for their crops, which avoids potential risks to uh, human health and the environment. Uh, there's also apps used for real-time uh, tracking of timber in, for example, Romania, making it possible to verify a car registration and report suspicious trucks. But we can also think of apps that monitor the air quality in different parts of the city, which you can uh, find throughout uh, Europe in, in different cities uh, at the regional level. Uh, there's quite a few applications on that. When we focus on the inclusion of marginalized groups, there's, for example, um, GPS apps developed for the blind and the visually impaired in which open data is used to describe the environment, it announces points of interest and street intersections as you travel, such as, for example, the Finnish Blind Square. But also apps that show public services, such as parks, public pools, museums, etc., etc., accessible for people with reduced mobility, uh, which you can, for example, find in Paris. But finally, there's also apps showing which buses are wheelchair-friendly, which post offices are wheelchair-friendly, where you can, which voting stations are wheelchair friendly. So there's quite a few uh, things you can think of looking at the social impact indicator. But 
of course, there's also the political impact, um, the economic impact. Wendy, what have you found in terms of the economic impact across Europe? So in terms of economic impact, what we're noticing are two specific trends. So one trend, which is more about evaluating the macroeconomic impact, where we're talking of studies that assess the market size for open data, potential growth year on year. And here, for instance, uh, Capture My Consulting coordinated and drafted a study on creating value through, uh, through open data in 2015, where we quantified the business value of open data, 225 billion euros for the period 2016-2020 across Europe. But regardless of those strong macroeconomic studies that will look at a whole geographic uh, economic area, countries are also investing in running their own specific studies. So those can be macroeconomic, but also use case driven or company focused as well. And in our measurements, only 32% of the countries actually answered that they have been conducting such economic uh, analyses, which also underlines the, the difficulty perhaps in running some of these studies in comprehending how the market is actually making use of open data. Because throughout the examples that you were mentioning, Helene, what I would actually point out is the pervasive nature of open data being embedded in a lot of applications and services that we use without actually knowing that there's open data in there and it's so mainstream that many companies won't necessarily recognize that they're using open data or public sector information because for them it's just taken for granted. But coming back to the countries that we've been assessing, here I would like to underline a few best practices and uh, and studies conducted by, by countries such as the Open Data Italy 200, which is looking into 200 companies that have been using open data in Italy over the past couple of years. And again, other studies that don't necessarily come from the national level, but will be driven by think tanks or civil society and different organizations. And here, the Spanish study measuring the intermediary sector is also a very interesting example of how impact has been measured over a period of time in Spain, in a specific sector, which is building its business model around preparing, analyzing data and sharing that data and selling it either as a service or as a product. So here again, even if we only have nine countries who've actually conducted economic analyses over the past nine years, over the past two years, sorry, there still is quite some uh, some attention to the economic benefits because a lot of this impact is what will sustain uh, open data over time. So perhaps now Looking at the broader picture, we in our assessment, building on these two indicators, so open data readiness that includes impact measurement and portal maturity, uh, in our study at Capgemini, we cluster the countries into maturity clusters. So the beginners, where countries are really in the early stages uh, of their open data activities. Followers, where a policy is in place, but the country is still struggling with some of the basic functionalities or has a very rudimentary portal available with limited functions. Fast trackers, where countries have actually made substantial progress, both in terms of portal maturity and in terms of policy, but is still facing a number of barriers. And trendsetters, and trendsetters would be the top quadrant of, uh, of the measurements, where the country has a solid policy in place, has a solid uh, portal, and is actually looking into the next level of open data then now considering open data as a digital asset. So not going into all the details of, of what we've analyzed in the, in the report, 
what's really interesting to note is that in this top quadrant trendsetters in 2017, now half of Europe is actually in that quadrant. Another quarter of Europe are in the fast trackers and all the other countries are in the followers, which really shows that if we compare year over year since 2015, there's been huge progress, not simply on the uh, different scores on these indicators, but also in really moving the data topic forward. And countries have frog leaps such as Latvia, Luxembourg, Italy, Slovenia, Germany, and Finland. But in our top five, maybe let's pause on, on the top five and see what lessons we can learn, for instance, from Ireland, who is uh, number one in the ranking, followed by Spain, the Netherlands, France, and Finland. Helene, what would be the key success factors that these five countries have been uh, have been leveraging to to really rank so highly in in the measurement this year? Well, I would say if we if we put those five top countries together and we we look at how they're actually doing in their open data journey, I would say the first that comes to mind is that all of these countries receive strong political support and are driven to make open data work. But also, a lot of effort has been put in knowing what's happening in the country, both in terms of national coordination, but also in knowing how cities are making use of open data and which applications are actually being developed. Another reason, I think, would be um, that various studies are conducted to measure the value open data creates to society which gives these countries better insights in, into what open data actually uh, brings. Besides that, top performers have also started to move from data quantity to data quality, enabling better reuse of open data, which is, of course, the one of the most important things uh, about open data, that it's actually being reused. And I would say, uh, finally, portals um, uh, have also been made more user-friendly, making portals easier to use for diverse publics, such as IT experts, journalists, public servants, NGOs, universities, but also the private sector, which is also very important if you want to reach a, an as broad as possible public. Um, so those would be the five points for the five reasons I would give. But more broadly speaking, Wendy, what recommendations would you make to all of these countries moving forward in their open data journey? In in the report, we we conclude offering a series of seven recommendations, and uh, here we're talking about enhancing data portals to make them more user friendly, so they really do become a one stop shop for data, both for human users as well as access over the API. Along the lines of developing the portal, the second recommendation is more around sustaining funding to make sure that activities are embedded more broadly into the digital transformation strategy of the public administration and will be there in the future and be developed in a future-proof manner. So that looks at both policy aspects as well as, uh, as portal development. Documenting impact as a third recommendation because that's the means by which Political attention will continue to grow and evolve over time as the data topic evolves as well. Interacting with users, of course, because in open data, and we've seen that clearly in the examples of impact that, been, that have been discussed today, that impact is so versatile that it's very difficult to communicate around open data because it applies to such a broad variety 
of domains and audiences. This recommendation is really about using data as an asset to drive digital transformation within the public sector and innovation as well. And then there are two recommendations which are more looking into different types of data, which would be privately held data of public interest. So this concept is built around the fact that there's a lot of privately held data, for instance, in the health sectors, in the consumer sectors, in the energy sector, that would actually be particularly relevant today for decision making in the, in the public sector. And another aspect which is around offering additional real-time data, and this has been a growing topic of interest because a lot of applications, a lot of services now need real-time data, and there's a, um, a clear demand for this uh, in all sectors. And perhaps to conclude, what countries now really need to focus on as they've they've gotten to grips with all the basics is to really embed data into the digital transformation innovation agenda of, uh, of the public sector. So all of this is further elaborated uh, in, the, in the report on open data maturity in, uh, in Europe 2017, which can be found on the Capgemini website. And uh, if you want to get in touch with either Helene or myself, so my name is Wendy Carrara, you can find me on social media, and uh, Helene Follows. So, Helene, any concluding remarks from your side before we close uh, our session today? Uh, just that, uh, that I hope you'll enjoy reading the report and uh, that I hope it will be useful for whoever uh, to find out more about open data and what it's used for. Perfect. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye.